Hi, this is Amita Switlow uh, from QSO VSO West. I'm in beautiful Deep Cove at a wonderful bed and breakfast called Lock Haven with uh, Nolan Boker. Is that how I say it? Boker. Uh, Boker, yeah. Boker. Mm -hmm. Now, Nolan did something with QSO, and we're going to hear about that, but I, I found him through my sister who stayed at this lovely bed and breakfast, and she told me that you had been with QSO. And she also said that it was one of the best times in your life. So, welcome, Nolan. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's a pretty good introduction. <laughs> we're sitting here in this beautiful place. Uh, many years ago, um, you were brought up in Ottawa, were you? That's right, yes. Uh -huh. Is that where QSO recruited you? No, actually, it all started in my final year of uh, engineering at the University of Toronto. Okay. Uh, in 1971. And I had heard about QSO. And so uh, during my final year, I, I visited the office, you know, in, in Toronto and, uh, um, and applied, you know, on the, uh, with the idea that after I graduated that I'd be able to go someplace. But I was very particular um, because I had heard that Thailand was the place to go. <laughs> it had the best food and it had the, most, the prettiest women. Most beautiful And I was women. into adventure. And so I was very specific in saying I wanted to go to Thailand and I wanted to teach electronics in a technical institute of some kind. Hmm. So, so you applied, and when you applied, what did your family say? What did they think about you heading off far away? They thought it was pretty natural. It was a pretty natural extension of what I'd been doing because um, I, got a, I started adventuring right after my grade 13 in, uh, in high school in Ontario. Yeah. I went up uh, north to, the, uh, north to an isolated place on a radio station up north as a laborer. Uh -huh. And then the following two summers, um, I worked in the Arctic um, for four months each. Um, and uh, we were flying around helicopters doing surveying and everything. So we surveyed our way down the, the west coast of Hudson Bay and... Oh my gosh. And uh, stayed in Eskimo villages for base camps, and then we had uh, what we call fly camps, which is we camped on the top of hills and so on. So it was a, so I was definitely into adventure and getting out and seeing the world. And then actually I, uh, I flunked out of uh, my first year uh, of engineering. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> and I, and I, had to, I had to take a year off. And so I, um, I'd made lots of money up north. I couldn't spend it. And so I got in a freighter and I headed for Europe and I went to Amsterdam and bought a motorcycle and spent six months traveling around Europe on a motorcycle. Oh my word, so, so you are an adventurer. So um, I did uh, resolve to go back to school and I managed to talk my way into the University of Toronto and yes. actually made it all the way through. <laughs> but after my second year, I, I vowed I'd never spend a summer again in Toronto. And so I got out in the highway with my sign saying Vancouver, and I hitchhiked to Vancouver. Oh, I see. And I got a job out here and uh, that first summer, and then um, I came out again the, uh, the following summer, and I got the following two summers I got a job in oceanography, and, uh, which was fantastic. It and is. Uh, so when I, after my graduation, I, I still had did a summer with the oceanography, and I was waiting to hear from CUSO because I had applied during my final year. And uh, they tried to send me to Africa, and I said, mm, thank you, but no, I want to go to Thailand. <laughs> they tried twice more to send me someplace, and I said, no, I want to go to Thailand. And then finally it came up, and it was really the ideal job. Was it? It was, yeah. Tell yeah. me about it. Well, I was, um, it was like BCIT, um, uh, which was sort of a, 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 on the European model, where you go for three years and you get a technician's diploma, 
and then you could go an additional two years and get an engineering degree. Oh, okay. So after three, it's just like BCIT is now. So after um, uh, three years, you had something. You could go out and work, and then you could come back or just continue on and get your engineering degree. So I taught uh, electronics in the laboratories in, uh, in the electrical engineering department there. And it was uh, just outside of Bangkok, so I wasn't like in Bangkok. Uh -huh. And um, uh, so it was out in the country, it was about five degrees cooler. Oh, really? Which was a good thing. Yeah. And uh, yet it was close enough I could go into um, uh, Bangkok for language practice in the bars, uh, <laughs> you know, in the evening and come back and, you know, and be ready for work the next day. Were there any volunteers with you there? Uh, there were. Um, at the school, uh, mm -hmm. there were two other volunteers. Do you remember their names? Uh, yep. Uh, uh, Ken Cooper, Ken Cooper, and uh, Wan, I'm not sure I can remember how to pronounce his last name. He was actually Thai, yes, and he was re uh, he was, um, uh, uh, but he'd come to Canada mm -hmm. and finished um, at the um, Southern Alberta Institute of Technology. So he graduated from there, and then he applied to go to QSO. Oh, um, I see. To go back to Thailand, and so they thought, okay, this is an interesting experiment. So. I didn't go with a regular group with, with QSO. It was kind of unusual. Usually you go in a group of, you know, 20 people or something like yes. that, and you go through the training and all that kind of thing. Yes. Um, the, the job came up at an odd time that wasn't when a group was going, so um, there was just the three of us. Right. Okay. No, actually, just the two of us, because Ken was already there. He'd already been there four months. So Sangwon and I were kind of buddies, and that was great, actually, because I had a, a Thai friend right off the bat. That's fantastic. So that was very, that was that was great. We still do that now. We call it diaspora volunteering. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we get to go back to the countries we come from. Right. So, so the transition is easier, and we can do a lot more in a shorter period. How long was your assignment? Two years? Two years. Yeah. All right. And you stayed the whole time? Oh, yeah. Well, I went off on holidays. I mean, I went to uh, up to Laos and... Uh, and I went down through Malaysia and to um, uh, Singapore and Indonesia on because we got two months off in the summer, and uh -huh. I didn't take all of that off because I went to another volunteer camp, you know, during that time. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I did get to travel around, and we got lots of holidays in Thailand, which is a good thing, you know. They're they're into <laughs> enjoying life. They are. Did did you ever meet uh, Ken or Sangwan again? Uh, not Sangwan. I've seen Ken a couple of times, two or three times. Yeah. Where does he live? Uh, he's in Vancouver, actually. Is he? Help yeah. us find him. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think I can probably do that. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great, because yeah. we're coming towards our 50th anniversary oh, in 2011, okay. Okay. and we're on the hunt. We're trying to find ah. all 15,000 of you. Oh, right. So right, when we right, go right. back in time, we think, we say, f we now know we, we ha we'll have sent 15,000 volunteers, approximately. Oh, okay. With over 35 million hours of service. That's fantastic. One for every one hour for every Canadian. Wow. So you were yeah. part of that legacy. Yeah. And I understand from my sister, it's something that you were quite, the, there are good memories there. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Okay, give me a story or a memory, something that makes you, that sometimes you think about even today. It's hard to pick out one because like, I think there were so many. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, I mean, I think um, the reason I went was for adventure. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's where I was really coming from. And I think when I got there, I realized that there was really a lot of work to do. <laughs> and uh, the, this place really, they really did need help. Um, and, um, and so I think I did actually do some, some useful things there. You know, you know, but but I have to admit the reason I went was to have you know to enjoy myself, and that, maybe that's one of the reasons I got along with the ties pretty well because they're really into having fun too. You know, 
So, do, so if you look back and you think, what was the one thing you think that when you look back at the actual school and your actual mm -hmm. work, what was the one thing you think you left behind? Something that uh, you, a, a skill you shared, or yeah, I think one of the things I, I uh, well, two things I, I, I initiated that were um, nothing to do with teaching the classes, actually. That often <laughs> happens. <laughs> um, the UN had been there um, for a few years and had left, I think, about eighteen months or two two years before I got there. They had a UN mission. There were still some UN people there, but they had a big thing, and they and what they did was they gave the school a lot of equipment for laboratories and that kind of thing. And um, by the time I got there, uh, they really weren't using it. And probably Didn't know how. half of it was um, uh, was broken in some way, like it wasn't operable. You know, I remember, in fact, I, I opened up an oscilloscope. You know, it's a piece of electronic lab equipment. I, I yes. took the cover off and a bird flew out. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so I had to clean the nest out, you know. And it, and, uh, I'd had to. Uh, um, so what I did was I set up a um, one of the one of the classes I was teaching was actually an electronics lab class. Okay. okay. So what I did was I decided to make the lab class actually a um, a repair exercise. Uh, what so what we did was we went through all the equipment. It was all in these cupboards. It wasn't being used, and we tested all of it. And the ones that weren't working, we put a big red ta red tag on them, and uh, so they had to test all this stuff. And all these different pieces of kinds of equipment, and and then they had to start repairing it, and we actually repaired it all. Oh my goodness! And the point was that they 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 learned how to do it. They gained the confidence to actually go in and p fix a real piece of equipment, not doing some little experiment, but actually going in and using the test gear and everything, um, to actually fix this stuff. And and it was as much the organization, and you know, and 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 getting it organized and then making it happen. You know, and the the staff just couldn't get it together to do that. Um, what I learned, though, um, I, I guess it was a year or two after I left, I learned that because when I first when I was doing it, the the staff were kind of looking at it. You know, um, the other profs, you know, were looking at it sort of in a standoffish way and would kind of ask me a few questions and be polite and everything, but they didn't really want to get involved. <laughs> what's this Canadian boy up to? Yeah, what's this guy up to? So what I learned afterwards, though, that one of those guys actually took up took it up again about a year after I left and, 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 and instituted that program and kept it going. Oh, how nice. So I felt pretty good about that. A lasting legacy. Yeah. I think that's yeah. inspiring, sh uh, skill-sharing. Those are the things I think people leave behind. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, 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 the real problem there, and this was really gave me some insight, because I went back and did a lot of business in the third world. Okay. Um, and uh, technical business. And, and the thing that really uh, hit me was um, at that school, there were a number of people who'd actually, um, in the staff, who'd uh, gone to the United States or Britain or Canada and, and gotten their degrees or finished degrees or did advanced degrees and they came back to the school. So actually the school had a lot of quite well-qualified people. Uh -huh. And even some of them had actually worked for a year or two while they were in the U.S. or in, 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 in the U.K. And so technically they were proficient. Um, in fact, they had worked. In, you know, they could go into a large company in the U.S. or Canada and they could function. Um, but when they came back to Thailand to the school, they couldn't get it together to do anything, you know, and mm -hmm. it was just they couldn't cooperate. They didn't know how to do it. You know, they didn't know how to work with each other and 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 uh, 
share information and, and, and work together. So it was really a social issue. Mm. You know, uh, it was really a social and cultural issue. So and that really gave me a lot of insight into why the third world is the third world. Yes. You know, it's not that they're lacking in technical skills because uh, an any individual can get that quite readily. You know, yes. all I have to do is go to university, you know, in a foreign country and, and work there for a couple of years. But when they come back, they can't function in that society. And uh, I actually talked about that with, you know, a number of the staff there that I, I got to know. Mm. And um, they said, yeah, it was amazing. And so uh, when I went back later, you know, on business and, and actually sold some large systems, in one of them in Thailand, I knew that that was an issue. Yes. And so I built it into the project, okay, like how to, how to deal with that. So all these years later, that, that experience might have actually changed a little bit about the way you m work in the world. Oh, hugely. Okay, so what did I probably you benefited much more than any of the times did. And this is, this is the good thing. That's what Cedar likes to hear, that you come home and that, that, uh, that you benefit from it and that oh. you... Huge. Use the knowledge. So you actually did business in developing in the developing world, mm -hmm. and can, do you still do that? Um, I, I, I haven't you. recently, mm -hmm. um, but um, uh, yeah, what I did was I came back and I, after working in Ottawa for a few years, I came back and I got into Vancouver. Yeah. I managed to get back. I was I was trying to get back to Vancouver. <laughs> Aren't <laughs> they I, all? <laughs> well, I, was, I fell in love with the mountains and the ocean and you know the way of life here. Anyway, I got a job at a, co a company called McDonald Detweiler and Associates. Yeah. And um, and at that time, their big thing was was um, making satellite receiving stations um, for re re basically re for receiving pictures from from satellites. And and one was for the weather satellite, which. You know, you see every night on television, you see them, they'll say, oh, now we'll look at the satellite picture. And yeah. so it's that kind of receiving station. And then there was another one um, that was bigger and more expensive, and that was used for um, surveying and, and mapping and, and monitoring crops and, and uh, geological explanation, uh, exploration and, and forestry and so on. It was called the Landsat Satellite. So um, I sold a few of those over there, one to, um, one to Thailand, one to Indonesia, one to Australia, and then a bunch of the the smaller ones, the meteorological ones, you know, to several other countries. And, wow. uh, and I was the guy who went there and, and initiated the whole process and, you know, set up the local representatives and so on. So it was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. But I, I think the thing was I kind of knew how to do things in Southeast Asia. And, um, and that really, you know, that really made things go a lot quicker and a lot easier for the company. Did you live a quite a simple, simple life when you were there? Well, you know, in, in actual fact, um, my standard of living was really, really high. I didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't need a lot of money. Yes. You know, and um, like, for example, I had a nice house. Well, I shared it with another volunteer, but it was quite a nice house. I mean, it didn't need insulation or anything, right? You know, it didn't have screens in the windows because we had mosquito nets and mosquito coils and stuff like that. Yes. And, uh, uh, but we, I never cooked anything. We went out to dinner oh, every night. Oh, wonderful. And it was Delicious. Thai food or Chinese food and everything. It was fantastic, you know. So I, I certainly ate like a king, you know, for two years. Um, and I had a motorcycle, so I was, I got around, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and I bought uh, one of the, uh, with my, with my, um. Your allowance? With my allowance. Well, we had, yeah, I mean, I had, I was actually paid by the Thai government, but because I was living in, in, in Bangkok, 
um, we got an extra allowance for housing because Bangkok housing was just out of sight. So, so it, it so it kind of put us even, you know, with, with the local people in a way, uh, with the same equivalent salary and so on. Uh -huh. um, so we, you know, that just got spent, <laughs> you know. But uh, we had, um, yeah, with with my uh, housemate, uh, another volunteer, Ken Cooper. Yeah. Um, we bought one of those long tail boats. I don't know if you've seen those. It's a it's like a, a very heavy canoe um, with a, a an outboard motor on it. Oh, yes, yes, the, yes. With a long tail, they call it. Yes, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. For, for shallow water. Yes, So yes. we had one of those because we were near a canal, and so we just had the, you know, we kept this thing, and, and we went tootling around the canals and the river. Oh, my on gosh. On this thing, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Took out all, you know, our friends and volunteers and other people, oh, and we had a wonderful time. Well, you know, I'm so glad that my sister stayed at your bed and bed and breakfast and that I got to find you <laughs> and maybe find Ken Cooper so that you know the story goes on and on so Ken Cooper has to help us find someone else <laughs> yeah well do you know Paul Stinson I do know that name Paul Stinson yeah he was um, he arrived in Thailand about a month or two before I left and I was one of the people who gave him his orientation there all right and uh, actually I'm getting together with him to have Thai food probably next week he's here in Vancouver yeah all he right. travels a lot. He travels a lot, but so I'm sure I'm he'd be interested in. I'm going to give you my you. card, and yeah. we're going to get all these people together, sure. and hopefully, all of you will attend the reunion in Ottawa sure. in 2011. We'll have in Ottawa. Yeah, we're um. going to have a great time. We'll find your cabin. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you like, so much. Oh, you're very welcome for um, for serving with us at, at QSO and for reconnecting with us and stay connected. Okay, well, thank you for making a connection. I, I appreciate it. It's oh, a great my opportunity. My pleasure.